morning, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast for January 9th, 2022. And this morning, we're beginning a new teaching series entitled Centered, where over the next seven weeks, we are going to be exploring Paul's letter to the Colossians. Now, something that we've been talking about a lot over the past six months or so now is Highway Volume 2 which is how we are describing the new era of ministry that God is moving us into after 21 rich years of history. And at the very heart of the vision for Highway Volume 2 is that we would be a community that is centered on Jesus, that, that Christology, what we believe about the person and the nature and the role of Jesus would be what comes first. And then everything else, our our understanding of mission and how we organize ourselves as a church would be informed by that. And Colossians is a text that really allows us to press into that because it very much has Christology at its core. Paul was writing to address some erroneous teaching that was circulating among the church community. And the clues that we get from the text suggests that it seems to involved some false teachers who are trying to instill different beliefs and practices in a way that diminished the significance and the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. And so Paul was really wanting to reestablish Christ as the center of everything for this church community. And over the course of our series, I think we'll find that this letter is very relevant to our journey, both as a church community and as followers of Jesus in this particular moment in which we find ourselves. And we're going to begin today by looking together at the first section of Paul's letter, which includes his greeting and his prayer for the Colossians. Now, the original recipients of this letter would have gathered together as a community to hear the letter read aloud. And so in an effort to try to experience this text as it was originally experienced, we're going to do the same thing. And so instead of looking at the words on a screen or in your Bible as as I read them, I'm going to invite you simply to listen. And as you do that, I want to invite you to take a moment to prepare yourself to do that. And feel free to close your eyes if that is helpful and settle yourself into a comfortable position wherever it is that you are and allow your body to relax. And I'm always surprised when I stop and allow my body to relax how much tension I'm actually carrying that I don't even realize I'm carrying. So let your body settle into your seat. Release some of the weight off your shoulders and your neck. And as you do that, take a deep breath or two, just slowly inhaling and exhaling. And as I read, try to hear and experience Paul's greeting and his prayer this morning. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, 
the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And as we listen to those words, we are repeatedly reminded that Colossians is a particular letter written to a particular group of people at a particular point in time. And the first words that we heard reveal who this letter is from. It's from Paul and Timothy. Now, the majority of the letters that we have in the New Testament are attributed to the Apostle Paul. But Paul's mention of Timothy here as the co-author highlights something that is often overlooked, and that is that Paul's letters were composed collaboratively. In fact, Timothy, who traveled with Paul on his second missionary journey, not only helped Paul write Colossians, he also helped him write 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 2nd Corinthians, Philemon, Philippians, and probably Romans as well. And so, as we think about how these letters were composed, uh, we should imagine Paul, you know, not at a desk with pen and paper, but instead talking with Timothy and his other companions as they sketched out ideas and debated them and refined them while composing drafts along the way. 
And so while these letters are very much written in the first person and include lots of autobiographical information about Paul with his voice being central, Paul nevertheless wrote collaboratively. And so the letter is from Paul and Timothy, and it's addressed to God's holy people in Colossae. Now, the city of Colossae was located east of Ephesus in the Lycus River Valley in the region of Phrygia in what is now modern-day Turkey. And it was situated on a trade route that connected Ephesus and the Aegean Sea to the west with Antioch and points beyond to the east. And the city was populated primarily by people who were native to the region of Phrygia and Greeks. And then, according to the Jewish-Roman historian Josephus, there were also a significant number of Israelites in the region as well. And so Colossae was a very cosmopolitan city with a real diversity in terms of culture and religion. Now, not only does Paul's address locate his recipients physically, it also locates them spiritually as well. The letter is addressed to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we see that Paul's recipients are not just located in Colossae. They're also located, more importantly, in Christ. They're located in the kingdom of God's Son. And that gives us this immediate indication of Paul's mindset as he is beginning this letter. Already from the address, we see that he is thinking grand in scope. And we're going to see that really bear itself out as the letter unfolds. So Paul is writing to the people of the church in Colossae, and he begins with thanksgiving for what God is doing among them. Listen again to verse 3. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard the true message of the gospel that has come to you. As we hear those verses, it is hard to miss how encouraged Paul is by the way that the Colossians are putting their faith into practice. But he's encouraged by the way that their faith is manifesting itself in a love for all of the saints. And that, for Paul, is evidence that the word of truth, the gospel, has taken root among them. And then notice as Paul continues in verse 6 what, that what's happening in Colossae is also happening on a broader scale. He says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And so once again, Paul emphasizes that what's happening among the Colossians is a part of something even bigger. There's also some additional background information about the church that is embedded in these verses as well. Not only does verse 7 reveal that Epaphras was the person who had shared the gospel in Colossae, but we also learn, both from verse 4 as well as from verse 8, 
that Paul hadn't actually been to Colossae. He had only heard about their faith and their love in the Spirit. So Paul had not actually visited this church that he's writing to. And that, I think, makes both the warmth of Paul's greeting and the depth of his care for this community all the more remarkable. Well, after giving thanks for the way that the Colossians have truly understood God's grace, Paul then prays this for them, beginning in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And so Paul's prayer is that God would fill the Colossian Christians with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding given by the Spirit. Paul's prayer is that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. Of course, the question that naturally emerges from that prayer is, what is God's will? Now, Something that we've been noting as we've made our way through this opening section of the letter is the way that Paul has been repeatedly locating the Colossians into something bigger. Right? They're located in Colossae, but also in Christ. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing among them just as it is bearing fruit and growing throughout the entire world, right? Paul has been locating them into a grander narrative that is epic in scope. And so we shouldn't be at all surprised then that God's will for Paul is also grand in scale. Right? Notice as Paul prays here that he doesn't pray that God would fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will for them or to fill them with the knowledge of his will for their lives. Right? God's will is bigger than that. And Jesus is at the very center of it. Listen again to the majestic hymn that follows Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Right? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That, for Paul, is God's will. God's will is for all things to be reconciled to himself through Jesus. And that's what Paul is praying, that the Colossians will grow to understand more and more. He's praying that they will have a deep, abiding understanding of everything that's been revealed through Jesus. 
and a deep and abiding understanding of God's heart for reconciling all things to himself through his Son. But there's more. Paul's prayer is not simply for the Colossians to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in Christ for knowledge's sake. He is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in Christ, as verse 10 says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul is praying that the knowledge of God's will in Jesus would would inform the way that they live, or more literally, that Jesus would inform the way that they would walk together as a community. And Paul is praying that in the very midst of the situation in which they find themselves, in the very midst of the false teachings that were circulating among them, that they would continue to keep Jesus at the center, that they would keep on bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened by God's might in order to have great endurance and patience, and that they would be giving joyful thanks to the Father. And Paul's prayer for the Colossians is very much a prayer for us as well, right? that, that in the midst of the situation in which we find ourselves, right, as we continue to, to navigate the COVID pandemic and all of the uncertainties associated with it, right, and as we navigate all of the political division and tension in our culture today, and as we navigate the racial division and tension in our culture, and as we navigate the various forces of of our cultural context right here in the Bay Area, that we would be centered and remain centered on God's will in Jesus. And as we make our way through Colossians in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking together at what it means to do that in a way that deeply informs the way that we walk together as a community, as representatives of Christ. May the Holy Spirit help us to continually deepen our understanding of God's will through Christ. And may Jesus be our center. Would you pray with me? And I think it's only fitting as we embark on this series together that we receive Paul's prayer for the Colossians as our own this morning. And so, Father, we pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that we may live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus and please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, and being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And Father, we thank you this morning with joy for qualifying us to share in the inheritance of your holy people in the kingdom of light because you have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son you love in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen.